0: speaker is uh, srijit datta his paper is, t- uh, is titled a critique of sheldon pollock's take on rasa in the paper from rasa seen to rasa heard srijit datta is currently pursuing his phd in comparative literature at the center of center for comparative literature bhasha bhavana vishwa bharati shanti niketan he is an accomplished musician and has been obtaining training since the past 15 years without a break He was awarded the Young Artist Scholarship in the category Hindustani Light Classical Music with a specialization in Rabindra Sangeet Tagore songs by the Ministry of Culture, Government of India for a two-year advanced training in his chosen field in the year 2010. Request Sri to come on stage. Namaste. Good afternoon, uh, respected chair, ladies and gentlemen. This uh, paper is a critique on an essay that had been published a, back in 2012 by uh, a, journal, a French journal on orientology. Uh, let me go to a particular slide to give you an idea of what we are going to encounter here. So this is what I am quoting from Professor Pollock's essay in from uh, uh, from Rasa Sin to Rasa Had. And uh, in 2016 he uh, published this book called The Rasa Reader, uh, which is sort of which is supposed to be a definitive uh, uh, treatise on uh, Indian aesthetics. And we can look upon the essay that I am dealing with in this presentation from Rasa Sin to Rasa Had as a kind of uh, laying down of the framework, which he will then use to uh, develop the Rasa Reader, which is uh, supposed to be an ultimate last word for uh, Rasa analysis and uh, indeed all other forms of Indian aesthetics, according to him. So I'm quoting Dr. Uh, Professor Pollock here. Why identify anything as art? What do artists do? Can we ever understand an artwork? And how can we evaluate art? These are all questions no Indian thinker before modernity, at least none who wrote in Sanskrit, ever systematically raised, not because of their incompetence, but because of their different cultural presuppositions and conceptual needs. For one thing, there was no unified sphere. With a particular designation, we could translate uh, by the English term art There were separate cultural domains of poetry, kavya, drama, natya, music, samget, consisting of vocal and instrumental music and dance, and less carefully thematized practices, with terminology also less settled, including painting or chitra, sculpture, often pusta, architecture for which there was no common term at all, and the crafts kala, which could include many of the preceding, when that was deemed necessary. In these separate domains, there was never any dispute, at least overtly, about what has, what was, and was not to be included. Though sometimes works passed into and out of a given category according to historically changing reading or viewing practices. So we can see that at the very outset of this uh, tantalizing claim that Professor Pollock is making. He is uh, implicating the Sanskrit Alankarikas of not raising these fundamental questions in art or in the codes of art or what has been uh, described by the English word poetics. Why identify anything as art? What do artists do? Can we ever understand an artwork? How can we evaluate art? And at the same time, in this uh, quotation itself, he is trying to absolve himself by saying, That uh, there was one word called called Kala, which uh, for which uh, it was there was never any dispute. But uh, sometimes works could go into and out of this. All these sorts of different forms of art. So let's try and do this systematically now. Yeah. So. What are the basic claims that Professor Pollock makes in From Rasa Sin to Rasa Had, which is used as the basis of his work uh, for the next book, the last book that he has uh, got published in 2016, the Rasa Reader. He claims that the theoretical understanding of Rasa was shaped by its historical extension from the domain where it was first formulated, that of Drishya Kavya, literature meant to be seen, that is his translation that is drama, to the domain of Shravya Kavya, literature meant to be heard, that is poetry recited and undoubtedly read privately. Notice this emphasis on uh, reading, private reading, because it it is very necessary for him to uh, emphasize on these junctures. Because uh, the idea of poetry and how it is performed, how it is consumed as an art form, so to say, uh, in the West, is radically different from what our traditional view of it is. Then he adds, there is nothing original in positing such an extension, though the stages in the process have never been identified as well as they might be. So he's saying that this kind of a proposition uh, is not very original, uh, but now he will try and identify the stages through which this kind of an development extension uh, of RASA analysis from one domain to another has taken place. So he asserts also, and not once, on more than one occasion, that this claim may have far-reaching implications and consequences. What are those? Firstly, determination of the number and kinds of emotion that can be counted as rasas will have something to do with the proposition that he is making. proving that this extension has taken place from the domain of Natya to the domain of Kavya, he will be able to show that uh, there is a framework by which you can determine which emotions count as Rasas and which do not. Next, the very ontology and epistemology of Rasa, and I'm quoting him, where it exists and how it comes to be known, that can also be decided upon. And interestingly, ontology and epistemology what rasa is, what is the nature of being of rasa? This kind of question is very closely related to uh, the sacred aspect of rasa. And uh, as Sri Raji Malhotra has shown in various other uh, fields of Indian knowledge system, that desacralization or uh, making a particular knowledge system or its conclusion, devoid of the sacredness is one of the major agendas uh, of Professor Pollock. So let's try and see how he is going to do that. In order to establish his propositions, he is trying to say the Sanskrit tradition differentiated between the two types of literature, seen and heard. I'm calling this proposition the seen and heard proposition, the dichotomy. The next proposition is the tradition drew an opposition between the two, so much so that, in his words, in Professor Pollock's words, analysis applicable in the one domain might not be automatically applicable in the other. So he's saying that it's not just a question of differentiating between these two domains. He goes so far as to say that there was a radical opposition drawn between these two aspects. And I'm calling this proposition seen versus heard proposition. Thirdly, these two propositions will help him, in his words, to reconstruct the history of the extension of aesthetical analysis from the dramatic to the non-dramatic, which is his ultimate aim. Now, let's try and build a response to this. Since I, my training is in comparative literature, so I can uh, tell when a comparativist is speaking. And in this particular essay, and also in the RASA reader, in fact, Professor Pollock's approach is purely comparativistic. Now, comparativism is typical of a dominant trend within Western ontological queries, which gains momentum with greatest interest in wealth literature or world literature, and then it spread throughout Europe after the French Revolution. So more than revealing the nature of being of RASA, when we do a systematic reading of uh, Pollock's essay, from Rasasin to Rasahad, we get to see that his approach reveals more about the Western epistemology itself, in which his study of Rasa is also grounded. Now, in order to achieve this, he is fractionalizing the concept of Rasa into only two of its many aspects, Drishya and Shravya. There can be numerous other aspects, but he is taking only two, because that will fit his purpose, that will suit his purpose. So, he never goes into the universal concept of Rasa Rasa as a uni- universal entity or a idea. He only takes up the particulars. He never, ever shows any attempt, even, to discuss the concept at the universal level. Neither does he indicate that the subject can be treated. He might have uh, done, in like, done it like, uh, in this particular essay, I am not being able to show. Uh, or discuss about the universal aspect because it goes beyond the scope of it, but he never does that. Next, he also says that uh, no, it, it is uh, even uh, our response that there certainly exists that uh, rasa has been treat, treated as a universal concept, and it is testified by both Prachin. Uh, and arvachin aestheticians Alankariks within the Sanskrit tradition. Now mind you, when I'm talking about arvachin or modern aestheticians, we mean uh, the alankarikas who had been working since Sanskrit alankarikas who had been working since 12th century onwards till 17th century. Now let's see what the prachin alankarikas tell us let's go uh, directly to Bharata's Natya Shastra. In the first chapter the about the origin of drama, there is this shloka, number 11, where where Indra is asking Pitama Brahma, and I'm quoting, Mahendra Pramukhai Devai Rukta Kila Pitamaha Krida Niyakam itchamo Drishyam Shavyam Chayad Bhavet So Krida Niyakam itchamo. what is the desire here, what is the iccha? Krida Niyak, the word Krida, which uh, appears also, in the Rig Veda in the form Krila it means game play enjoyment and it can be translated as the great Indra and the other devatas said to the grandsire, sire Bhagavan Brahma we wish such an object of pleasure that will be visible and audible simultaneously so at the very outset it is said it is declared that it will be drishyam shavyam chayad bhavet Simultaneously for the ear and for the eyes. So Bharat actually makes it clear that Ananda, an enjoyment which can be obtained by this Kridaniyak, is the one thread that binds all categories of art, and the simultaneity of Drishyam and Shravyam elements proves that both were treated using the same parameters in his time and space. It becomes very necessary for us to show this continuity. Okay, so uh, I'll skip to the conclusion. So it is very evident that, uh, in fact, in the uh, beginning of his essay from Rasa Sin to Rasa Hart-Polock uh, makes a claim that his thoughts in this essay are tentative, but uh, as we move on to uh, the book Rasa Reader that from where I quoted the first thing, uh, it is very evident that his thoughts have not changed at all. What are the purposes which are served by this kind of an, an pick-and-choose analysis by Professor Pollock? There are two things, desacralization of rasa, divorcing rasa from the Vedic sacred metaphysics, and f- fitting rasa into the kind of analysis that is Aristotelian and later Western models. Thank you. To help me, you can do two things. You can go to the subscribe button on my YouTube and subscribe. We need more subscribers there. Uh, Secondly, I get lots of emails on people saying how do we donate, how can we help you. Uh, You go to Rajeev or you go to infinityfoundation.com and you can hit the donate button. You can donate in dollars. There are different ways mentioned. If you want to donate in rupees, there is a column called uh, infinity foundation India and you click that and there are instructions on how you can donate in India.